0: I wonder who is the most trustworthy person in your life. Maybe a sibling, a spouse, a friend, it could be a dog, right? Trustworthy people are priceless and of great benefit to us. We can depend on them. We, could, we, tend, um, we don't tend to doubt their motives. Uh, we love, we cherish them. We adore them, don't we? And if someone says something that we know is not true about that person, um, we are ready to defend them. We're ready to back them. That's what we do. Likewise, a faithful servant of God holds firmly to the word of God, but also is ready to defend the word of God. Now, when we talk about being servants of God, we're talking about being a slave to the living God, doing as he wills, as he pleases, for his glory and his purposes. And I know the context here is of an elder, but we were reminded this morning that, that even the characters that are listed here and the reason why Paul is writing to Titus is actually to every Christian also and how we should live onto godliness. It's not just what we're hearing, not just what we're being taught, how we live those things out. That's very, very important. And so a faithful servant holds firmly to the word of truth and is able to defend the word of God. So those are two points this evening. George Whitefield said this, a dead ministry will always make a dead people. Whereas if ministers are warmed with the love of God themselves, they cannot but be instruments of diffusing that love among others. A dead ministry will always make a dead people. Whereas if ministers are warmed with the love of God themselves, they cannot but be instruments of diffusing that love among others. See, churches up and down this land are in need of ministers and leaders and elders and deacons who have been truly converted by the grace and the goodness and the mercy of the gospel of Christ. Such people will not only stand true to the word of God and continue to grow by that word, but they also teach the gospel. But they're also willing, willing and ready to defend the truth as they hold fast to it. See, dead leaders will make a dead congregation and members. Judas, we know, though a partaker of the ministry in which other, of the other disciples of Jesus were called to, was the very person who led people to arrest and murder the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was far from being faithful. And so those who are blind to the truth of the gospel, the truth of God, cannot lead those who need spiritual Sight. So this evening, I would like to us to focus on verse 9 that we've read recently. It reads this, Titus 1 verse 9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. See, all faithful leaders of God, pastors, elders or any other leader within the church context, must do two things. They must hold firm to the word of God as taught. They must defend, they must rebuke those who contradict it. And So as we look to the first point, the faithful servants must hold firmly to the word of God taught. This morning, we looked at the previous verses and examined the function and responsibilities of an elder. What elders and leaders should be like in character. The people that they should be in their character also and in leading God's people. But also how they should live in their family situations. That testing ground, that training ground, so important. We stated that Paul seemed to value a person's character at least as vital as the gift in which they've been given. The gift that they need to be stewards of. It's the gift of teaching God's word or leading God's people requires godly character. That is immersed in the truth of Christ. The fruit of godly character is what adorns the gift of leadership. See, Paul moves from the personal qualifications now that we... Looked at this morning to now the doctrinal qualifications of elders and overseers. The ability to expound the truth right, rightly is vital for the spiritual health of the church. And so Paul writes, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Indicating that this is, this is non-negotiable. This is not to be ignored. This is crucial to the work of church leaders and ministers. This signifies a continuous grasp of the word of God. Not that the person knows it all, but has a personal life of private devotion and study of the word of God. So we're reminded in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so the truth must be handled well, must be rightly handled. Why should the truth be held firmly? Why? Because it is trustworthy. The word of God is trustworthy. And Paul speaks to why the word of God is worthy of trust. We see between the verses of 1 to 3. In Titus, Paul says this in verse 2. That this word was promised from the ages began. This is an eternal word. This is a word that the Lord himself has spoken forth. As promised before we were even formed. It's an eternal word. It's revealed in time. We see in verse 3. At the proper time manifested in his words. Through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our saviour. It's a saving word. It's an eternal word. And when that word appeared in Christ Jesus, he saved us. It's a saving word. The truth should be held strongly because it grows our trust of God. It grows our faith. And faith we know comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The truth that is taught only has tremendous spiritual gain when it is lived out by the person. We don't just hear truth, but we seek and ask the Lord, how should I live this out? Help me, Lord. See, often we see celebrities who profess faith in Jesus and in the infancy of their faith, they begin to herald the word of God without much discipleship. One person comes to mind, I'm sure, to your minds also. There's no accountability. There's no discipleship. Yet, because of their fame, they're able to stand before and they're in God's word. They haven't yet grown to clinging firmly to the word of God as taught. They haven't established doctrinal stability. They haven't strawed up their feet in Christ, although they they may be in Christ, and already are placed in positions of responsibility. Because of what? Because of their fame. Because of their reach. Often we forget the gospel is about character building. It's about growing to know the law. It's about godliness. It's about devotion to the word of truth. There must be doctrinal stability. And so, this is why an elder should not be someone that's relatively new in the faith or new converts. How do we hold firm to this word? What we encourage here is through the teaching of God's word. Not simply teaching what is palatable, what is appealing to listeners' ears, but rather to preach and to teach the undiluted word of God. Sometimes that comes out sharply, but it's the pure word of God that is sharper than a two-edged sword. It speaks to the person that's speaking and it speaks to those who the hearts are receiving the word. We are to hold the word of God firmly in the church, in our homes, in fellowship, in one to one meetings that we have with fellow brothers and sisters. We're to hold the word firmly in the face of opposition. And so, this is the, the particular context in which Titus finds himself. We read from verse 10 onwards of the Pharisees and Jewish leaders who Titus, um, Paul says to Titus, who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers. Verse 11 says, they are teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. To be overcome opposition, not by shouting louder than them, not by oratory skills, but by the truth of the gospel. I remember... A few years back, when, you know, sometimes where we had left our previous church, right, we, they were invited to a wedding and it's like, you, you've left, you've left us. And they wanted to find out, what's this new theology and you're reformed now. We hear you're reformed. I'm like, well, I'm a Christian. That's the, I'm a Christian, you know. They got me talking, pretty good friends back in the day, and the, the line of conversation suddenly went off track because I found myself trying to defend what I believe, but more for the sake of, look, I've been enlightened. Can't you see this now? This is the word of God. Open your eyes and see. More for me. An hour and a half later, my missus is like, can we go home? (laughs) Can we go home? But I learned something. Even in our defending the truth, let's not take it personally. Let's be wise. Let us know the gospel. It's about the gospel. It's about winning souls. It's about drawing people to sound doctrine, not by our own strength or might or intellect. What is the effect of holding firm to the trustworthy word? Oh, the Bible says it trains us, training us. You see, verse nine says, "Holding firm to the trustworthy, worthy word as taught." Don't miss that word, "taught." What Paul is saying here is that the word of God must be the primary way in which an elder, or any Christian is trade onto righteousness. It's a training process. Train yourselves onto godliness. It's it's hard work. It takes work. It takes spiritual gymming to really read God's word. Sometimes it's difficult to get into it initially. But you must work and ask the Lord for grace to continue to pursue Reading and knowing God's word. Every involves training. And this training builds us up in our faith, in our courage, in our obedience, in our wisdom. Wisdom to apply what we know. And consequently, we are able to then to instruct, to guide, to encourage others and stand for the truth. See, the training of others, as we read there in end, at the end of verse 9, we see that the only way to instruct others is in sound doctrine. There's nothing else but sound doctrine. That's the basis. It's a holy work of faithfulness to God's word in word and deed. And the church cannot be built up without the faithful leaders teaching the truth. As I reminded us earlier that this we mustn't just take this as a message for elders. This is a message to all Christians, to elders, future elders, deacons, leaders within the church, in any ministry. Seek to grow in the knowledge of the truth. That is foundational. That is the only thing that we should be pursuing as our first priority. To seek the Lord, to grow in knowing the Lord. It is sustaining. It is crucial for any ministry. The word of God must be the very thing that shapes our lives. See, the word of God and the gospel in particular will keep you from pride. It will strip you of all arrogance. When the word of God pierces your heart and you see how woeful you are and how you don't, you're still not matching up, but, but for the grace of God. a grace that appeared and saved us. The gospel makes us slow to anger. It causes us to flee from violence, from greedy gain and drunkenness. It warms our heart to be hospitable. The reality is that sometimes it can be, you can can have a character sometimes that is, is not necessarily hospitable. But when it's submitted to the gospel, when it's submitted to Christ, the amazing thing that the Lord can do, that makes you receptive of all for the sake of love, the love that you have received. That's a transforming work of the gospel. It makes us not to be a lover of self, but a love of good, to be self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined if indeed we are trained by it. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4, 6, that to be a good servant of Christ Jesus, we must be trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. See, to be a good servant of Jesus, we must be a disciple, must be a follower of his word, through study and obedience to his word. If this is not your immediate focus, if this is not your desire, this is not your long, longing, you need to repent. You need to turn to the Lord and, and ask him for grace. Get on your knees. If that is not there where you're, you're feeling tired and weary, seek the Lord. That the very word is what sustains us, that equips us, that gets us through those dark times, knowing that the Lord is with us And he's given us his word. Let us cherish it. Let's pick up the Bible. The Bible says it has everything that pertains to life and godliness. Pray for the zeal to know and to obey God's word. Some questions to ask ourselves. Am I being taught sound doctrine? Am I seeking to hear sound doctrine? How's my listening skills? Am I obediently responding to God's holy word? Do I trust his word? Do I fully trust God's word? Is the word that I'm hearing and reading growing me in holiness and godliness? Can those around me see a difference? Am I seeing a difference in my life? Am I trusting and leaning on the Holy Spirit to help me to hold firmly and to hide God's word in my heart, as David says? Am I ready to teach what accords with sound doctrine in whatever context God permits and wills? Am I equipped to encourage and strengthen a brother or sister in Christ who is struggling or weak right now? These are questions we all need to ask ourselves. It begins by a daily commitment to knowing more and more of God. It's very simple. But sometimes we complicate it. But the Lord wants us to know him intimately. And so R.C. Sproul says this, The purpose for learning the things of God is the acquisition of wisdom. And we cannot have wisdom without knowledge. Ignorance breeds foolishness, but true knowledge, the knowledge of God, leads to the wisdom that is more precious than rubies and pearls. So wisdom comes from knowledge. And this knowledge is, is not for ourselves. That's knowledge that puffs up. We are seeking to grow so our lives are changed, but for the sake of also the brothers and sisters in Christ to be a witness, to build up others. We come to church to be fed, yes, but we come to church also to serve. The mindset is to grow, that we serve others, that we walk together, that we sharpen each other. That's how church should be like. If you acquire knowledge only for means of being a knowledge tank, only puffs up. We are to grow in the knowledge of the truth of Christ, the gospel. So we grow in wisdom to apply that knowledge in how we live, how we serve. In our church, in our families, in our locality, at work. All Christians should be doing this. We cannot instruct others without growing in knowledge. How can we have healthy and God-fearing marriages without growing in sound doctrine? How do we sharpen one another truly? How can we run away from sin if we're not growing in submission to God's word? Jesus must be the centre. must be the centre of our lives. The Bible says that our saviour is faithful. Our Savior is faithful and true, and that the promised Savior, Jesus Christ, delivered at the perfect time and faithfully obeyed the Father even unto death on the cross. And He still remains faithful today. So, brothers and sisters, how do you know He's keeping and holding you fast? This Savior, how do you know that He is holding you fast? As a Christian, a Christian is like a toddler. A toddler who is holding their parents around the neck. They're being carried on the side. The person who's holding them, is guarding them, holding them tightly. How are they safe? Is it the child holding the father or mother? Or is it because the father or mother is holding them tightly? God holds us fast. So even when sometimes we release our hands, when we sin, the Lord holds us fast still. When we're growing in trusting his word and promises, when we rightly handle the word of God, dividing it, it becomes one of the primary means the Lord uses to grow our relationship with him. But we know we we don't only are able to instruct others about God's word. But we know are now able to defend God's word. And this is our second point. The faithful servant defends firmly the word of God. The faithful servant defends firmly the word of God. See, the faithful servant of God is firm to rebuke those who contradict the word of God. The people of Crete were... Not as nice as you seated here today, right? So when we read Titus 1, 10 to 16, it reads this. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. To Titus and any other leader whom the Lord has appointed must be ready for the challenge. As Christians, we must be ready for the challenge. For Titus, this was a challenge also, as well as raising up leaders within the different churches. You must remind them that you not only hold firmly to this word, but defend the word of truth. These people were not willing to submit to proper authority. They blasphemed the name of God and deceived others for shameful gain. And even their so-called prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, gluttons. Their mouths, their hearts, their stomachs revealed their character and their works. The Bible says here that they profess to walk with God, but their lives weren't in line with the truth that they know. The Bible is telling us that faithful servants must rebuke such people. Verse nine says this. Verse eleven says they must be silenced. Verse thirteen says they must be rebuked sharply. The reality is, how easy is it for leaders or even anyone to rebuke someone that's not walking in according to God's word? It's very difficult. It's, it's very challenging. I find it very challenging. I was in prison ministry for many years, and the leadership wasn't right. And many things that was going on within that ministry, as much as I love to serve the men and go into the prisons, it wasn't right. I found it really difficult to say anything because in my mind I would rationalize it and say, well. Actually, I'm serving, serving people and I'm witnessing to them about Christ. But the leadership wasn't right. The, 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 the situation that we were in and, and the things that were going on in, in order to deliver people from their sins or deliver them from their crimes was not right. Let's not be like that. Let us speak wisely. Let us always stand by the gospel. It's not easy to rebuke people. Sometimes the fear of man is an issue. It's an issue to say to someone, I don't think you'll walk in line with God's word there. But the reality is, when we love people, we'd want to speak to them, we'd want to correct them, we'd want to guide them. Sometimes we just don't like conflict. None of us do. I just just don't want to get into it. You know how it is sometimes, like, with family members especially. It's like, you see a message and you think, should I respond? Should I say something? Mm -hmm. And just like, I've got to see them for Christmas, you know. (laughs) I've got to get my presents. Uh (laughs) You're thinking, no, 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 let's just leave it for another year. And the years go by. Mm -hmm. We don't want to cause conflict. The main reason it can be very difficult sometimes to rebuke is we ourselves are not holding firmly to the word of God. When we're not holding firmly, if you if we're holding it so tightly, there's no way where you'd even when saying it in love, you can still correct and say, bro, sister, I love you, but that's not right. This is the gospel. Let me show you, let's walk together. In fact, let's meet up. Let's go through this together. Not in the way to lord over someone, but actually just to say, let's read the word together. Let's grow together. In John Owen's book, Duties of Christian Fellowship, he writes this, he explains a Christian's dealings with others in the face of opponents and adversaries. He says diligent study in the word, with fervent prayer to learn the mind and will of God, as to know how we worship and how we are to live, so that we might be able to explain this to those to humble inquirers and to stop the mouths of stubborn opponents. We will value the ordinances that we enjoy according to the degree of knowledge of them that we possess, so man will not contend unless he knows what he's fighting for. The point being is, we don't fight for something, we don't defend something that we don't know very well. When we don't know something very well, it's difficult to defend, it's difficult to fight for. There are a few people that go to war because they just wake up in the morning, I'd like to be enlisted into the army and and go to warfare. No. Many people that go to war. Go because of a cause. There's a cause behind that. And surely Prince Harry has a cause. For going to war with his family right. There's a cause there. Maybe why he also went. To fight in Afghanistan. Surely right. Most people go to war for a cause. Sometimes we can debate what that cause is. Is for. See, an elder can only truly contend for the faith and rebuke those who contradict sound doctrine when he knows what he's fighting for. As Christians, we must know who is with us. The sound doctrine that we're growing in allows us to defend. So a Christian must be able to give a defence as to what is true. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 15, be prepared to, de- be a- to make a defence to anyone, to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. <coughs> what are we to fight for? We're to fight for five things, I believe. The scripture here is saying we're to fight for sound doctrine. The doctrines that we're reading, that we're being taught, we must stand and defend that. We must fight for the unity of believers. In verse 11, there it says that some of them were upsetting the whole families in these churches. We must fight and defend the unity of God's people. Number three, the holiness of believers. You see, there in verse 15, That these Cretans were inviting others to sin with defiled minds. It was spreading rife. Defiled minds and consciences must defend and fight against that. Number four, must fight for repentance. Verse 13 says, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. Let's not write people off rather let's pray for them. And the rebuke and the correction is to win them, to show them the way of Christ, that they turn from sin and turn to God. Number five, let's defend our worship of God. We live in a time now, things are okay, but we've seen just a, a tiny speckle of what could happen with COVID. When our worship and said, you can't go to church. You must be ready to defend our gathered worship before the Lord. What dangers must, be, must we guard against when fighting for the faith? Well, Sometimes we are quick to talk. We're quick to talk. And thank God that quickness is good because we have something to say. But we mustn't rely on this always. We mustn't abuse it. We must all fight the temptation to jump in over the person that is coming at us or is speaking against sound doctrine. In those moments, take time to be slow to speak. Listen more, rightly divide the words. As you share the word. And sometimes we are thoughtful. Sometimes we fall on the other side. And we need time to process our thoughts. When we are faced with certain challenging situations. And that is great. That is great also. We must thank God for that also. But let us arm ourselves with the word. Let it not be an excuse. That I'm not able to share and respond and defend because actually the word of God I'm not holding fast to. Let us be ready in season and out of season. It mustn't be our excuse. Paul writes in 2nd Corinthians 10, 4-6, we face a spiritual warfare for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. One of the weapons we don't use often is prayer. You must never cease in praying. That's how we defend also. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Pray for those who are in these type of situations to know the Lord. The Bible is clear here that the lack of knowledge here is the, the heart of the defilement. Ask that hearts are changed. And that they know Christ. We are fighting a spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. And there are moments that are coming where we must be ready and know whom we have believed, whom we are trusting in. We must grow to know the Lord more and more through scripture, through the fellowship of brothers and sisters through the gathering of the saints, sharpening one another. As we close, how do we reconcile Romans 12, 18, which says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. How do we reconcile that scripture with defending our faith? See, we want to be peaceable with all. That's what the Bible says. We seek to draw others. We want to seek to draw their hearts to Christ. That's the motive. Our words matter. Our character is important. But peaceable does not mean, however, we won't go to war. Being peaceable does not mean that we will not go to war. We are already in the warfare. This is the warfare we find ourselves, whether we like it or not. Jesus bought our peace by contending for us. He contended for us by going to the cross, to die on the cross for us. And peace is often gained because of war. Because of war. it depends how you're fighting, what you're fighting with. Speaking the truth in love is important. And so, brothers and sisters, let us strive to hold firmly to the word of God as taught. Let's strive to defend firmly the word of God. Pray that church leaders would contend well for the faith. As we said this morning, it is of great benefit to the church to have faithful servants of God. For in doing so, we grow in godliness. We grow in good works, but it's unholy work to persevere. It's, It's challenging, but we must persevere in being grounded in the truth. This must be our priority as any Christian, as anyone that's part of any ministry, in any church, in our walk with the Lord. We must continue to strive for the truth. We're in a war zone. There is no safe place to chill. We must arm ourselves with the sword of the Spirit. We must know this word so that we are able to hold on to it firmly but also defend it. We must love God Himself. So the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And finally, brothers, we do not do this in our own strength. The Bible says we stand in the might of Christ. Let us rest in the Lord. To know that He is the Lord and Savior. That He is the mighty one. He is the mighty Redeemer. He's the one that will come. He's the one that was and is ever shall be. He does not change. He's a conquering lion. He's the Lion of Judah. And he is the one that is has come to fight and contend for us. Let us show our love for him in how we know him and grow and seek to grow intimately with him. But also be ready to give a defence. People ask, what is the hope that you believe in? Why do you believe in Jesus? Whether we are at work, in the church, wherever we may be, are we ready are we ready? Let's be not be found wanting in this era. In Jesus' name, Amen.